With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, welcome into the Stinky Truth Podcast. Marshall Earth alongside my co-host, Mike Evans. Thank you so much for uh, downloading, listening, watching, subscribing, doing all those things. Appreciate it. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm great. Yeah. How are you? I'm, I'm, would, would you would you like to take this moment to talk to everybody out right. there and maybe uh I don't know, do you want to issue a retraction or an apology? A retraction or a retraction or apology for what? Well, Dallas Cowboy fan is really upset at you for the comments you made in our last podcast about Jerry Jones and how they'll never win uh bleep. It uh went viral. National headlines. So would you like to uh, apologize? I know. People are sending me things from Fox News, right? Like, are my bosses going to fire me? No, I haven't heard from my bosses. I think I've said that a hundred times before. Am I going to apologize? Like, I'm afraid of Cowboy. Ooh, Cowboy fans coming out. Here's Cowboy fan. Big hat, no cattle. You guys got no cattle. I mean, come on. Give me a break, Cowboy fan. Oh, we're this, we're that, we're that. You guys are, I mean, seriously. I've said that time and time again. On national television, I just didn't use, you know, a, a derogatory, like a curse word. But the, I, that does my opinion doesn't change, and real Cowboy fan knows it. If you circumvent or you emasculate or you take away the authority of the head coach, what do I always say about a head coach? And this is Mike McCarthy or anybody who coaches for the Dallas Cowboys under Jerry Jones. If that guy is not empowered, then your organizational structure is wrong. It's the same thing I said about Washington under Daniel Snyder. Thank God that turd's gone. So it's the same thing I said about him. It's the same thing I said about Jerry. I've always said this about coaching. There needs to be two types of fear to be an effective head coach in the National Football League. One, you've got to have this this biblical fear, you know, the fear of the Lord, which is a reference to awesome reverence or respect, right? You have to have the respect of your players. And then two is just flat out fear. This guy will cut my ass without even thinking about it. If I don't perform, there are going to be consequences to performance. If I perform well, I'll be praised. I'll get time. I'll get rewarded. I'll get a contract. If I don't perform well, I'll get cut. Let me ask you this. If your owner signs a guy without your knowledge and he comes in the locker room and everybody knows you had no knowledge of it, what does that do to your fear factor? You're not in charge. Why should I, why should I be afraid of you? It, it circumvents that guy's authority. And ultimately, when the going gets tough and you're asked to do something you don't want to do, do you know what you do? You take the back staircase to the owner's office and you whine and you cry and you complain and uh, you... In my opinion, my humble opinion, what do I know? I only have three championship rings. In my humble opinion, you cannot win that way. You may win games, yes. But is this about winning games? Not, you're the Dallas freaking Cowboys. Is this about winning games? You haven't won a championship since the mid-90s. It's the mid-90s, so don't give me all this big hat, no cattle garbage. Ooh, I'm mad at you. Ooh, yeah, you guys, get some freaking cattle. 
bunch of soft. You, you urban cowboys is what you are. The Man, urban cowboys. You've gone toe to toe over the years with I Eagle fans. I don't care. Giant fan. I like Eagle fan, by the way. Jets fan. Yes. Bengals fan. I don't know, man. You might have. No. This is the big whale here. You might have bitten off even more than you, Mark Schlereth, can No. Can right. They got spurs and chaps on going to a club. Jingle, jingle, jingle. Wow. Clickety, click, 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 click. Wow, you... My shiny boots make noise. Look at my big giant hat. Mark that... Schlereth, no. everybody. No. Mark Schlereth. No, no, no. Got some other stuff to All talk right. about here. Uh, so uh, let me just f- rephrase this. I I apologize for absolutely nothing, um, and I stand by everything that I said in the last podcast. Okay, then we move on. I will check that. Okay, check that box check off. That off. Check that it off. Is, uh, that is done. Travis Kelsey came out and said that Chris Jones is the best defensive player in the NFL, mm. but yet Chris Jones still doesn't have a deal. Chiefs yeah. making a mistake here? Yeah, I'm, uh, absolutely. Now, I don't know that I would rate him as the best player in the National Football League, defensive player in the National Football League, because there's some guys that, you know, Aaron Donald, um, what's the cat's name in Dallas? It's a great linebacker. Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons. Thank you. Oh, now you're trying to curry favor with Dallas fan. I see you. (laughs) No, Micah Parsons is awesome. I couldn't remember his name, but he's awesome. There's some guys in the National Football League that are just absolute monsters, just beasts. But Chris Jones is in that short list. If he ain't one, he's in the top five. And here's the thing about Chris Jones. This is the thing about about great players and, you know, great defensive players. The one thing that you do when you game plan for a great defensive player is you break the huddle and you find that guy every single freaking play. And then you have a you have a rule or you have a, you know, a scheme that helps you block that guy on every single play. So you break the huddle, man, and, and what's Chris Jones, number 95? You break the huddle, and you're like, okay, where's 95? Where's 95? How are we going to deal with 95? And think about last year. They won a world championship last year in Kansas City, okay? As much as that pains me to talk about them winning a world championship, they won another one. And you think about Chris Jones. Like, you're breaking the huddle. You're you're finding him. At one point, when they're in dime, I think they had seven rookies, when they played their dime package, they had seven rookies on the field with Chris Jones. So from a protection standpoint, Mike, we can if we've got one guy, just one guy that you have to contend with, right? You can you can find a way to double team that guy every single play. Now, it it eliminates maybe a back getting into the route, maybe a tight end getting in your route. So now we can only get four guys in the route instead of five guys, okay? Because we can't go empty. Um, we can slide to that guy, but you know, they know that you're gonna slide. So, you know, to get four hands on one guy, right? To four to double team on one guy. That there's many different ways we can do that, but you're giving something up to gain the advantage of double team a guy. This guy had 15 and a half sacks last year from the inside. That's a significant number, not from a position like he's not a rush defensive end. He's a guy that slides down over guards in past situations. So he is a dominant force. And then you played, like I said, in your dime packages, I think with seven different rookies on the field at, at, at the same time in the Super Bowl. And you won it. Tell me the value of Chris Jones. His value for them is immense. And listen, one thing about playing offense, 
we love on offense to get five guys out in the route. Like we love to put those put those numbers on you because that's really hard to defend. And if you've got one dude you have to contend with, like you know, like I said, there's one less guy you get out in the combination. But if you got no dudes you have to contend with, there's nobody that threatens you. Like you say, hey, there's nobody that we're afraid to go one on one with at any time. Like, hey, our left tackle, our right tackle, our guard, our you know, left guard, right guard, our center. If we go one on one, we're good with that. So that opens up a whole plethora of plays and opportunities for you as an offense. And beyond Chris Jones, I don't know that there's anybody that they're really scared about matchup wise of going one on one with. So yeah, I think it's a I think it's a huge, huge deal for the Kansas City Chiefs. And this real I mean, this really hurts their this really hurts their football team. You and I doing this podcast, talking football over the years, it, it's obvious that there are some guys that you have a lot of respect for. That sure. You really admire the way they play the game. Cooper Cup is one of them. Yes. He just suffered a setback with his hamstrings, some doubt now as to whether or not he'll be ready for the season. But you you love yeah. yourself some Cooper Cup. I do. I do. Cooper Cup is just a football playing Jesse. He just is, man. Like, he does everything well, and he's one of those guys that maybe not the, you know, he's not the 40 the time guy that runs by people and all that kind of stuff. He is just an incredibly smart football player. When you talk to the Rams, you talk to Sean McVay, or you talk to people within that organization, they'll just tell you the dude's a quarterback that plays wide receiver. He just knows everything. And as a matter of fact, Matthew Stafford, when he went there originally, um, and got traded there. He said the guy I sat down with that taught me the offense is Cooper Cup. Like that Cooper Cup was the one that was sitting with me going, oh, you got to think about this, and you got to do this, and we got it, right? And so one of the things that the Rams talk about is they talk about, like they'll play a lot of what we call 11 personnel. So that's one back, one tight end, three wides, right? So when you prepare as a defense for 11 personnel, you're looking at your 11 personnel package and the 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 stuff that you run out of 11 personnel right the the runs that you run and you know the the passes that you throw well the thing about Cooper Cup is they call it in in LA 11 and a half personnel because Cooper Cup can block like a tight end even though he's a wide receiver so they can you know normally if you're going to motion or wide receiver across the formation you're going to you know he's going to cut off and he's just going to get in the way of a defensive end or whatever he will motion two and work in combination in a tray block, tight end, or excuse me, tackle Cooper Cup on a defensive end. And then he'll motion across and and they'll run a uh, a quad, tight end, Cooper Cup is an ex, extra tight end, motion on defensive end up to a strong safety. Um, they'll they'll motion him through the and he'll lead on a linebacker like he does he does they run a bunch of twelve personnel stuff out of eleven personnel and so two things either you don't work on it because you don't think of it that way or you have to spend extra time working on that and then you don't spend as much time working on some of the other stuff so he's an incredibly valuable player in their run game and um, and he's a he's a guy that just matches up differently and makes you think about the game a different way. So he's a huge, huge value loss for them. Do you, when you, when you talk to these these quarterbacks, and I think about some of the really unique pass-catching quarterback-receiver combinations that just seem to 
exist on another level. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Brady and Edelman, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup. What's the secret to it? What is it about these receivers and quarterbacks that just, they're not only productive, but they just seem to be connected in a way that just kind of well, defies you, description. You just said it. They're connected. I mean, it's, it's how like, well, it's like they went to Hogwarts together. Like it, it, it is just, they see the game the exact same way. And, um, like I'll give you, for instance, a route comedy. They, they used to run a, a thing called a read route in the West coast offense. Like when I was, when I was playing here in Denver, we had a read route. And a reroute was like if you're getting quarters coverage, right, and you're an inside slot receiver, you're on a go. And if that safety plays you deep, right, and he stays on the top of you, at about 20 yards you stop and, uh, you know, 14 to 20 yards somewhere in there, you stop and you come back for the ball, right? Now, if you get even with him, bam, you know, this old John Madden, if you're even, you're leaving, right? You go deep and we throw it. Well, what ended up happening is receivers and quarterbacks didn't see it the same way. So the receiver oftentimes going, oh, I got him. You know, he may be two yards off. I got him. And the quarterback's going, no, I'm going to throw the, I'm, I'm throwing the comeback type thing, right? I'm throwing the, the stop. And he throws it, and the guy keeps running, and here comes the safety. Bam, pick, easy, right? Just an easy pick. And it got to the point where you're throwing enough picks on that that they stopped running the read route and started running what they called a lock route. You're just going to lock it down. So you're coming back regardless. We're not going to create that confusion for our quarterback and our wide receiver. But Cooper Cup and guys like that and Devontae Adams, they see it the exact same way as the quarterback sees it. Aaron Rodgers told me a story once about he and Devontae Adams. He goes, Devontae Adams will come to me in the first quarter and we'll run a play. You know, we'll run a play. And he goes, hey, listen, if we get that play again and they're in – this defense, right? We get that play out of this three by one formation and I'm running the slot and I'm, I'm number two and we get this, they play me this leverage and I'm going to change it to this route. And he goes, and he'll tell me that in the, in the first quarter, like in the first series and it'll be the second quarter. It'll be the third series of the second quarter. And, and we'll get in that formation. Devonte Adams look at me and go, yeah, we got it. All right. Boom. Does it, you know, 40 yard game, whatever. And so, like, those guys are just on the same page. They see it like a quarterback sees it. But and they're never wrong. But it's rare. Yeah, because, you know, I, I think you've got to be honest with yourself and what you see and what you get. And, you know, and, and I just don't think everybody sees it the same. And those guys just seem to be on that same page. I know it's not necessarily NFL, but it is. Uh, Deion Sanders. Right now, oh. Deion Sanders and Colorado – is the biggest story right now in in college football. Yeah. There's huge fascination and interest to see if Dion can take all this hype that he's created at Colorado and actually, you know, make right. it make it real. But there is the the pro football Dion Sanders, and I know you had some, some sure. great battles. Your Washington teams against his Dallas teams, and uh, just as you get ready to watch Dion Sanders emerge on the the big time stage in college yeah. football, what? What do you what do you what do you think about this guy? I'm fascinated by him, man. He's like I know him, so he's just he's a great he is just really a great dude. Like he really has a passion. You know, you hear it all the time in college football, like a passion for taking a young man and or a young like a, a kid and turn him into a man, you know, like you hear coaches talk that talk. 
but I think he really invests way beyond, way beyond football. You know, spiritually invests into them. Um, you know, just just every everything that you need to do as a mentor, he he does that and, and turn him into a man, right? Yeah, and it's and it, there's a belief. You know, we get boys and we turn them into men type of things. Yep. And I think everybody preaches it, but not everybody is really like really really lives it. And I think he does truly live it. Um, I think the fascinating thing, I've never seen anything like it, man. It has been, you and I both live in Colorado. It has been one of the most remarkable turnarounds from a, a program that was one in 11 and considered the worst program in college football to you're getting big noon kickoff games twice in a row. Like they're following you around for the first two games. Um, it has just been, it's been remarkable. Now, my big question is obviously they've got to turn it around. They've got to win games or they got to even play. They've got to play close, right? They got to play close, but they got to win some games. Um, but my, my question is why wouldn't uh, a big time, a potentially big time program that's, that's found itself in, you know, in, in kind of, um, you know the bottom rung of the SEC or uh, the 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 bottom rung of uh, of the Big Ten, right? Why would a program like that, or why wouldn't an NFL program go? Man, you know what? We had we are fairly irrelevant in the NFL landscape, and if we could land Deion Sanders, the amount of publicity, the amount of juice that comes with Deion, like it would energize our fan base. We'd sell season tickets, jerseys, the whole. Everything. What what's happened in CU is absolutely nothing short of remarkable. Like I've never seen the. I, this is just like a a. I mean a, a tornado of positivity that has encompassed the Flatirons. It's unreal what's going on. I, I love what, I love where you're going with this because I can absolutely see two three years from now if he turns this thing around like it is expected to and uh, is hoped to that I could see big time bigger time college programs coming after him. But what about the NFL? Because he said that he's not interested in the NFL, that he doesn't necessarily want to deal with NFL sure. players. But man, you're, you're talking about somebody as we've gotten a chance to know him in here in Colorado, you're talking about somebody who clearly embraces the idea of mentoring young men. Right. But yet he also has an old school reverence for the guys that played the game. He's had Michael Irvin. Uh-huh. Uh, Terrell Owens, Warren sure. Sapp, they've all come up to the program to to visit with with CU, and he, you could tell, has a lot of respect for the guys that played this game. So I could see an NFL team, an NFL owner saying, this guy might be the best of both worlds. He'll know how to connect with the young players, but still recognize the value of the veteran player. Right. No, I, I don't think there's any question that I've heard a lot of college coaches talk about how they're not interested in the NFL until the NFL knocks on their door and then they've got this insatiable itch that they got to scratch. And so I've seen that, you know, time to Matt rule. I mean, go, go Lou Holtz, go to, you know, urban Meyer, Meyer, uh, uh, Steve Spurrier. I mean, like, come on. Like these are guys are like college institution guys. Yeah. 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 They can't, they can't wait to scratch that itch. They talk about that. Hey, I don't want to scratch it. I don't want, but, I'm telling you what, you know, it's like laying down in a bed of hay. You may get eight hours of sleep, but you are going to wake up itchy. You know what I'm saying? You're going to get itchy just the way it works. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess You never so. lay down oh, on hay? God. Yeah, you're right. It's going to get a little itchy. It's going to get into some spots yeah. you probably don't want it to be. Right, you can fall asleep. Yeah. Take a good nap. Yeah, but you're going to wake up itchy. You're going to be like, what the f-? Hey, we teach you lessons here on this, uh, right. this podcast. What, what were your dealings like with Dion as a player? Oh, Dion was, uh, oh, he's just incredible. Like, uh, like there's, there's two times. My rookie year, we came in together, 89, class 89. Uh, I, a little less fanfare. Yeah, he was drafted a he, little higher than you. He was somewhere in the top five. Mm-hmm. I was somewhere near the bottom five. But not. We, but you did well for a 12th round pick. Don't even start with me. Don't start with me. Uh, 10th round. Uh, we, threw, we threw a pick. I, we were playing in Atlanta County, Atlanta Fulton County Fulton, Stadium, yeah. Stadium, whatever it was. And we threw a pick, and this is, you know, I was a rookie, so I thought I thought I was an athlete still. You know, I could run, and I actually covered kickoffs in, in my, you know, the preseason my rookie year. So I come screaming down the field, to, you know, and when get, and he just like sidestepped me and stepped out of bounds. I went diving through, wham, landed on my belly, lost all my hair. You're lucky. You're lucky, we man. You didn't face me, man to man. You know, couldn't even breathe. He just went like this. Oh, you know, and I was like, blah, blah, blah. so anyhow, um, but I'll never forget. Like, I think in my, I think it was my second year because he was playing baseball. My second year, I think he flew in. He either flew in that night. Well, they had a they, they had baseball plays at night, so he had a, a night game with the Braves. I think he flew in that morning, showed up at the stadium, got dressed, and returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Just like woo, doing the you know the the yeah. the high stepping and. Um, the guy was phenomenal. He was just a phenomenal football player. Really put the cornerback position. He really made a corner. The cornerback position is a cornerstone position. Like he's the. If you look at the guy, because I look at the league as way it was constructed. Even even in the seventies and eighties, most of the time you're playing some form of like cover two. So the corners, you know, rerouting the receiver, and then he's got the flat. You know, the safety's over the top type of thing. You know, and. It's not really a, as as much man to man and all that kind of stuff, man. He he just made the corner position, like everybody everybody who plays corner that gets paid to play corner, the big time corners in this league need to send a thank you note to Deion Sanders. That's that's how how valuable he has been to the National Football. Think league. about it. He took a cornerback punt returner and made himself into a household name. Yeah, made himself into a marketing and business giant as a cornerback. Yeah, unheard of. Yeah, unheard of. He and he was he amazing, made, man. He made playing corner cool. Oh yeah. Lay out his uniform before the game. Have it all laid out perfectly. Is that him or Jerry Rice? That you, maybe it was I think Jerry it was Rice. Rice, Rice yeah. that you laid out his uniform. Yeah. It doesn't matter, man. Like Dion, what prime time? But for all the dazzle and all the show and everything, there's substance there, there man. There's some substance there's there. Some, there's there's you know, there's no question. There's that substance. He was, man. That he was actually you know around the team. Teammates loved him because he actually within the the framework of the locker room wasn't really yeah. You know, he was he fit in. If you put him in, if you if you were putting a list together of your top fifty players in the history of the National Football League, he'd be in your top. He there's no question yes. he'd be in the top fifty, maybe top twenty five. All time. If, if I'm going to have an all-time team with two corners, who are my two corners? That's a good question. Dion and, I don't know, Darrell Revis? I mean, who we? But I put Dion there first. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. 
Well, guess what? What's that? You know what we start next week doing? What's that? Talk about games. Oh, my gosh. That's right. Week one, one, regular season. We got some big news that will break as well coming up here. I think uh, week one will start that. But uh, anyhow, big news um, and great things happening right here on the Sinking Truth Podcast. Last chance to apologize to Cowboy fans if you'd like. Last chance. Big hat, no cattle. You guys got nothing for me. Come get a taste. Let's go. Hey, for everybody involved in the Stinky Truth Podcast, I'm Mark. He's Mike. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Season starts next week. Let's go.